All right, good morning, Central Church. How's everyone? Awesome. Hey, if you're joining us online this morning, whether it's our Facebook Live page or our website, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, I want to officially welcome our downtown campus, Pastor Bill and Anya and your team down there. Uh, you're doing a great work down there. We're glad you're joining us uh, today for this service. And if you're in Overflow in Oakwood Chapel, you're in the concourse, thank you for being here today and being a part of Central Church. I don't say this often enough, but I want to I address you men just for a moment and just say thank you for being here. Uh, because if you are married, uh, if you have kids, uh, you are setting the spiritual tone for your family. And just being here uh, is, is a step in the right direction. Uh, thank you for owning that. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you're not married yet, maybe you have the hopes of being married. One day you will set the spiritual tone in a family. Or if, you, if you're not married, uh, you set a tone in a workplace or in other places spiritually. Thank you, men, for being here, uh, stepping up and with your responsibility to follow the Lord. Um, so, first service was packed. Usually not packed. There's only one explanation for that. It's the first day of the NFL season today. <laughs> They're not dumb. They want to get home in time to get their nachos. And the good thing is, the Vikings are undefeated and in first place right now. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Hey, we're continuing a series called Extraordinary not named after the Vikings, but it's called Extraordinary because it's Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you have a Bible this morning, please take it out. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read there, a few verses there in just a moment. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We need you. Holy Spirit, you were given to us to lead us into truth. You were given to us to teach us the words of Jesus. You were given to us to help us understand the, the mysterious uh, words of God. And so help us to do that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have you ever confused the spirit of the law with the letter of the law? Uh, a Glendora police officer in California where I live did that with me once. <laughs> he confused the spirit of the law with the letter of the law. <laughs> what, what happened was I pulled out of my driveway and I started driving down the street. We lived in a residential area right by high school. It was about 6.30 at night. There was nobody around. School wasn't in session, and so there weren't kids out and about. And so I, I was approaching the intersection, and you ever do this? You just kind of go brain dead. You're thinking about something else, and then you realize, oh, i got to go right here at the intersection. So much too late, I made that lane change and, and made a change into the right-hand turn lane and then just made a really quick uh, right-hand turn. There was an officer sitting right there, and he flashes me and pulls me over. So he asks for my identification and registration, and, and I give that to him. He writes me up a ticket. And then he brings it back and he gives me my stuff and he says, Mr. Wheeler, do you understand why I pulled you over? I said, actually, I don't. Uh, he said, you made an illegal lane change. He said, if, um, if you're approaching an intersection, you need to be outside of 500 feet of the intersection in order to make a safe lane change. I said, okay. Um, I said, was I exceeding the speed limit? He said, no. It's okay. Um, were there any pedestrians around that I might have endangered with that lane change? <laughs> no. Okay. Were there any vehicles nearby? That, that I could have put in harm's way. No. Okay. He said, <laughs> you were inside 500 feet. I got gotcha. you. Letter of the law. I got gotcha. you. I, I, I hear you. So I got my court date in the mail and, and went to court. So I'm fighting this thing. This is stupid, right? Okay. So I go to court. And normally, sometimes in Southern California, there's so many people that the officers don't show up. If they don't show up, you just get your ticket removed and fine removed and you're free. But he did show up that day. And so, um, 
The judge said, Mr. Mr. Wheeler, you're you're cited for making an illegal lane change. How do you plead? I said, not guilty. He said, okay, can you explain that? I said, yeah. Uh, I said, so I'm driving down this street, and it's a residential area, Your Honor, and there's a high school nearby, but it was, you know, 6.30 at night. There was nobody around. Uh, And I said, I did did approach the intersection, and I did make a late lane change. Uh, I, I recognize that. And when the officer pulled me over, I said, uh, I said sir, did, did, was I exceeding the speed limit? speed limit? He said, no. And I asked him if I had endangered any pedestrians nearby, and he said, no. And, and I asked him if there were any cars that I could have caused a problem with by making that sudden lane change, and he said, no. And I said, I, I don't understand why uh, the spirit of the law, which is to protect people, uh, is being imposed here, uh, or the letter of the law is being imposed here. And he said, he turned, the judge turned to the officer and he said, do you want to add anything to the story? Thinking there's much more to the story than this guy's telling me, right? And the officer goes, no, that's pretty much it. And the judge was like amazed. And he goes, really? Th- that's all? He said, yeah. Slams the gavel down, goes, not guilty. You're free, Mr. Wheeler. You can walk out. The- that's what I'm talking about. That's why we go to court and fight these things. Because he confused the spirit of the law, which is safety for people, with the letter of the law, which is you have to be a certain number of feet away from the intersection. I mean, come on, I mean, I get laws, I get safety. There is a point to this this morning, not just me gloating over getting delivered from a ticket, but the point is the Jewish religious leaders um, confused the spirit of the law with the letter of the law to the point that they believed that by, by keeping the letter of the law, they were righteous or accepted by God. In other words, if, if they don't commit murder, if they don't commit physical adultery, if they, if they observe the Sabbath rules, if, if they don't bow down and worship you know, statues and graven images and idols, if they don't do those things, then they're, they're righteous before God. And Jesus, all through chapter five of Matthew, calls his disciples not to live according to the letter of the law, but to live according to the spirit of the law, which is impossible without a changed heart. And Jesus begins to talk about an inner righteousness that comes from the spirit instead of an outer righteousness that's attained by human flesh. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter five, we're just gonna read a few verses beginning in verse 17. Spirit of the law and letter of the law. Jesus says in verse 17, don't, don't, under, don't misunderstand why I have come, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. That phrase, the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets, is just a way of saying the entire Old Testament as it was written. No, I came to accomplish or fulfill their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach other people to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 20, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better or surpasses the righteousness of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, two righteousness, one of the letter and one of the spirit. I want to talk just for a few minutes about what, what Jesus, what he teaches us here about the Jewish law. It's, it's, it's really important for us. And the first thing is this. Jesus affirmed the Jewish law. Jesus affirmed the Jewish law. 
And, and why that's important is because the, the Jewish leaders were accusing Jesus of disregarding the law or the Torah. They, they, they thought Jesus was teaching that we don't need the law because Jesus often ignored some of, their, some of the, the Sabbath laws, rules, and some of the laws of, of purification. Uh, because remember, when, when they asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. That summarizes, Jesus said, the whole law. If you do those, in a sense, you're fulfilling the law. Love God with your whole heart and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus was operating by the spirit of the law. So when he uh, is, is with his disciples and they're traveling through the country and they come to a, to a, grain, a, a field of wheat, and they're hungry, and they break off some of the heads of grain and begin to eat that. The Pharisees say, you can't do that. You can't, you can't you know, break the grains. That's harvesting. You're, you're breaking the Sabbath law. And Jesus is like, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man to do good on the Sabbath. It was to, to help people, to get closer to God and to care for people around you. Again, letter of the law, spirit of the law. Um, Jesus oftentimes violated other issues of, of the Sabbath. He, he healed people on the Sabbath. He would, he would heal people, and, and the Pharisees would say, you can't do that. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. That, that's working, and you can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, I'm giving them life. I'm, I'm healing them. Again, letter of the law, spirit of the law. And then there were laws of, of purification that Jesus seemingly ignored. This is why they thought that he was disregarding the law. So, so Jesus uh, allows a, a, a prostitute to, to anoint his feet with oil as an act of worship. And, and the Pharisees, you can't, let an, you can't let a woman touch you as a rabbi, especially an immoral woman, because you're going to become unclean because of her. And Jesus is saying, this woman did this as an act of worship, spirit of the law, letter of the law. A um, couple others here. Jesus would, Jesus would heal lepers and he would touch them in order to heal them. Well, if you touched a leper, you were ceremonially unclean. And Jesus would touch them and heal them. Again, sort of violating a law of purification for, for a higher law or the spirit of law, which is to, to help people. Jesus touched a 12-year-old girl that had died. You, as a Jew, you couldn't touch corpses, you couldn't touch dead people, or you became ceremonial unclean. Jesus raised her from the dead. Again, spirit of the law, letter of the law. So the Pharisees believed that Jesus was anti-law, that he was disregarding the Jewish law. But in fact, Jesus was affirming the law. Look in verses 17 and 18. Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, heaven, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, the, the, the smallest Hebrew character was yod. It was called a yod. Not the least stroke of a pen, the, the smallest punctuation mark, an apostrophe or a comma, will by any means disappear from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus is saying every word, every command in Scripture is inspired by God. It carries God's full weight of authority. And then he says this in verse 19. Therefore, whoever nullifies or weakens one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the scribes and Pharisees believed that there were laws, certain laws that were weightier 
or greater or more important, and there were other laws that were lighter or lesser. And that's true. There, there are laws that are, are more significant that, that should be obeyed maybe than, than some of the other ones. But Jesus is saying, no, you can't, you can't disregard smaller or lesser laws. All laws are equally inspired by God and under his full authority. So Jesus says you can't, you can't do away with the ones. Here's what the Pharisees said. Yeah, we got we to gotta obey the greater laws, but the lesser laws, ah, if you fudge on those a little bit, it's not that big of a deal. And Jesus comes along and says, it is a big deal. Because all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture carries the full weight of God's authority. So Jesus does here, he does two things here. Number one, he says, you can't pick and choose which scriptures you want to obey and which ones you don't. You can't read your Bible with a pair of scissors. You can't go through and cut everyone out that you don't like. Jesus says whether you think they're the least or the greatest, they're still God's word and you still have to honor his word. And yet, we, we do that, don't we? we? We read the Bible and we say, I like. I like that the Bible talks about helping the poor. I don't like what the Bible says about sexual purity. I like what the Bible says about loving people. I don't like that the Bible says marriage has to be between a man and a woman. And we read through the scriptures, that they all have equal authority, and we cut the ones out that we don't like, and we keep the ones that we do like. Jesus says a second thing. He says, nor can you nullify or annul or lessen or weaken or compromise any of the scriptures. And we do that. We do that in the church. So, so 1 Timothy chapter 3 is really clear about the qualifications of a biblical elder in the church or a pastor in the church. And, and that pastor, he says that he needs to be above reproach, above blame, uh, blame as it pertains to scripture. That, that he needs to, his life needs to be in line with sound doctrine, biblical doctrine. That, that's just a, a, a characteristic of, of a pastor and elder in the church. And there are churches in our country today that are ordaining gay and lesbian pastors, clearly relaxing, weakening the intention of Scripture in that particular area. We, we, we do it in our personal lives, not just in the corporate church life. We, we look at issues like <clears throat> divorce. And we say, yeah, the Bible, I know the Bible says these are the reasons for divorce, but that doesn't fit my narrative. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and pursue a divorce, even though, you know, it says this. Or I know the Bible says that, that all of us have to forgive people because we've been forgiven by Christ. As Christ has forgiven us of all of our sin, we're supposed to forgive others of their sin, but it doesn't fit my narrative because you don't know how much they hurt me. So again, we relax the scripture, we dilute the scripture, we, we compromise the scripture because of our own situation. Jesus says you can't do that. He says you can't pick and choose the, the commands, the, the verses that you like and don't like, and you, neither can you water them down or relax them to fit your narrative or to fit your lifestyle. Jesus isn't rejecting the law. Jesus is affirming the law of God. The second thing is Jesus fulfilled the Jewish law. Not only did he affirm the Jewish law, Jesus fulfilled the Jewish law law. Scholars basically break the, the law of God, the, the, the laws of the Old Testament down into three categories. And the first category would be called the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law. The ceremonial law had to do with, with ceremonies or activities that in some way pointed forward to Jesus. In other words, somehow they painted a picture of, they were a, a type of Christ who would come. They either say something about who Jesus would be or what Jesus would do, like the priesthood. 
So the, the high priest in Israel once a year would take the, the blood of an animal that had been sacrificed and he would, he would take it into the Holy of Holies in the temple or in the tabernacle and he would pour the blood on the, the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant for the forgiveness of sins of all of Israel. Well, when Jesus came, the, the, the book of Hebrews says that he took his own blood, not the blood of, of animals, and he went into the heavenly tabernacle or the heavenly sanctuary and he presented his own blood as an offering of sin for humanity. Christ did that once and for all. So there, there's no longer a need for a high priest. Jesus is now our high priest, amen? Does that make sense? So, so this, he, he fulfilled the ceremonial law. There's other areas like animal sacrifice. The, the whole point of animal sacrifice was to teach this principle, that when there was sin, an innocent life had to die or be given for the guilty. So an, an innocent animal would be sacrificed for sin, for the, the guilty person. Well, when Jesus came, um, he was the innocent life that was given for guilty humanity. So Jesus fulfilled what the animals were doing in the Old Testament. So we don't need to offer animals anymore. So, so uh, Jesus did away with, in a sense, much of the ceremonial law in Israel. So the ceremonial law... Um, had fulfilled its purpose, and it was no longer necessary. Jesus also fulfilled the second category, which is the moral law, the moral law of God. The moral law of God consists of the Ten Commandments and any, any command in Scripture that deals with moral behavior, how we should treat people, how we should treat God, how we should live our lives, the moral law. Now, Jesus fulfilled the moral law by living it perfectly. Je Jesus was sinless. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. He perfectly fulfilled the law for us because we couldn't do it, because we're sinful by nature and we, we, we always fall short of God's expectations for the law. He not only fulfilled it for us, but he fulfilled it for us so that he could fulfill it through us. So Jesus now empowers us by his spirit to live to that level of moral integrity and moral truth and moral righteousness. We don't have the excuse anymore, I can't do it, because through Christ, I can do all things, amen? I can, I can attain to God's level of, of moral righteousness in my life. Now, we fall short, we blow it, and there's grace when we blow it, but we are still empowered to overcome sin and to live a righteous life as God intends us to live. So Jesus not only fulfilled the ceremonial law, and, and we, we, it's not necessary anymore, but he fulfilled the moral law so that we now can fulfill the moral law as well. But there was a third category of law, and that was the judicial law, the judicial law. The judicial law had to do with the penalties for violating civil laws. And there were tons of civil laws in the Old Testament that related to property, treating other people, slaves, all, all kinds of, of civil laws. Um, so they told us what the penalty was. So if you murder someone, there's a penalty. If it was accidental, there's a different penalty. Uh, there's a penalty for rape. There, there's a penalty for adultery. Uh, there, there's a penalty if your ox gets out of the yard and gores your neighbor. There, there's a penalty for that. If someone breaks into your house and you kill them uh, in self-defense, was it during the day or was it during the night? And there were all kinds of penalties for the judicial law in the Old Testament. And there was also a law about sinning against God. And, and the, the penalty for sinning against God was spiritual death and separation from him. Sin brought separation between humanity and God, legally. And God is the judge of the universe. And so legally, there's a consequence to our sin. 
The sin is spiritual death, which is separation from God. A few scriptures. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is what? Death. Death meaning separation from God, spiritual death. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Next scripture. This is back in the Garden of Eden, what God said to Adam and Eve. When you eat of the tree, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely what? Die. Die physically? Well, they didn't die physically immediately. They, they lived hundreds of years after that. But they, they died spiritually immediately. And they were separated from God. Remember, God drove them out of the Garden of Eden and put a, a, an angel at the gate so they couldn't get back into the tree of life. So God uh, removed them from his presence. God removed them. Uh, and that was symbolic of that. So uh, Ezekiel 18, the soul who sins is the one who will what? Die. Again, spiritual death, separation from God, legally. So humanity, is, it, because of its sin, is legally separated from God. And then Galatians chapter 3. I'm sorry, yeah, Galatians 3. For all who are of the works of the law, like the Jewish leaders who were thinking that their, their righteousness came because they obeyed the law, all of us who are of the, of the works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone who doesn't abide by all the things, say all the things, written in the book of the law to do them. So how many of you have perfectly obeyed God's law? Okay, how many of you have broken one of those laws, at least one of those laws? One or more of those laws. You, there you go. Okay. So that means you're under a curse. You're under a penalty. The curse of sin is separation from God. You are legally separated from God. That, that's why when, when Jesus died on the cross as a criminal, and, and when it said in the Old Testament, cursed is he who's hung on a tree, or in this case hung on a cross, the Jews couldn't, they couldn't deal with that because that meant Jesus was cursed. That meant the Messiah was cursed. That meant the Messiah was sinful and separate from God. How could the Messiah be cursed? They understood that concept. That you and I are under a curse because of sin. A legal penalty because of our sin. That we have no way of getting out of. See, the cross had a, a legal meaning. There was a, a legal aspect to the cross because we were legally condemned before God, just for, just for one infraction, yeah? one bad lane change, and you're cursed for life. But Jesus came to remove the curse. Jesus came to remove the wrath of God. So let's read a couple other verses. Jesus was delivered over to death for what? Our sins, not his sins, but our sins. And he was raised to life for our justification so that we could be right with God. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous, Jesus is the righteous for the unrighteous. Again, let's go back to the Old Testament. Animal sacrifice. The, the innocent animal had to be sacrificed for the guilty person. Jesus is the unrighteous, uh, the righteous sacrifice for unrighteous humanity. To do what? To bring us to God. Why is that verse in there? Jesus died the, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God because we were separated from God, legally separated from God. When, when it says that humanity was under a curse, that meant that they were spiritually separated from God and that they were, their, their destiny was a place called Sheol. Sheol was the place of the dead. It was the place of the damned. That was where they would spend eternity, separate from God. People understood this concept. The Jews understood Sheol that you are under a curse, therefore Sheol is your destiny. Hell is your destiny. And Jesus comes along and the New Testament says, if you are under the curse of the law, 
then you are headed for Sheol. You are headed for hell. Legally, according to God's standard. One more verse. Or maybe we need to finish the one we just... Did I finish that? You go back? Go back? First Peter? To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, in the flesh, on the cross, but made alive in the spirit. That means he was resurrected. Next verse. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through what? Through Christ. Not through obeying the law. Not not through trying to do what's right. Not by being generous or nice to people or kind or, or trying to live a life that pleases God. No, but by putting our faith in Christ. So as, as humans, in sin, we are under the curse of the law. And God is a just judge. Every just judge has to invoke a penalty when the law has been violated or he's not just. If the law has no penalty, it's just advice, Right? If there's no penalty, it's just advice. You should do this, but there's no penalty. But no, there's a penalty for humanity's sin. The penalty is the curse of separation from God and eternal suffering separate from Him. The cross had a legal ramification. That in order for you to be legally made righteous, you had to be removed from the curse. So so you are either under the curse of sin and the curse of the law, or you're under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only two categories of people. You are still guilty of sin before God, who's the judge of the universe, because he's a just judge. He's going to enforce the law. And the, the, the penalty for the law, breaking the law, is separation from God and eternal suffering and separation from him. Or Jesus came to take our place. Jesus came knowing that the wrath of God had to be satisfied, knowing that the penalty for sin had to be satisfied. Somebody had to satisfy it legally. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus bore the full wrath, the full judgment, the full anger and penalty of God for sin on humanity. He took it all on himself. That's why the cross was so horrific. Because it was God's curse upon humanity's sin. The punishment that we deserved fell on Jesus, amen? So we celebrated communion this morning. Why do we celebrate communion? Why is communion so important? Because communion remembers and celebrates the death of Jesus and the legal removal of the curse of sin from our lives. Amen? We are now under grace. We are no longer under the law. We're no longer under the penalty of the law or the curse of the law if we're under Christ. See, the Pharisees thought it was all about them. All about them doing something. All about them keeping the law. All about them adhering to the, to the laws of the Old Testament. Jesus said, no. You are under a curse if you're under the law. If you want to be under grace, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. It's no longer about you. It's about what he did, not what you can do. And so we find grace and forgiveness through Christ when we believe that he died for our sins. And the third thing I want to say about uh, Jesus is he reinterpreted the Jewish law. Jesus reinterpreted the Jewish law. Uh, Verse 20. Jesus ends this section by saying, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses or is greater than the the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is reinterpreting the law. Jesus is reinterpreting righteousness. And as we go through chapter 5 beginning next week, here's what you're going to hear over and over and over. Jesus will say, you've heard that it was said this. You've heard that the law says this. And some of that was how the, the Jewish leaders interpreted the law. 
you've heard this, but I say this. Jesus is going to reinterpret the meaning of the law, and, and in most cases, it was the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Jesus is saying, this is what the letter of the law says, but this is actually what, what, what God's intention was for us related to that. So it's not just about murder, it's about anger. It's about dealing with that anger in your heart that might lead to murder. It's no longer about adultery, it's about lust, because lust is the root that gives birth to adultery in your life. Jesus is going deeper than just you know, the, the written law or the letter of the law. Jesus goes to the spirit of the law, again, which we cannot fulfill apart from a changed heart, apart from an inner righteousness that Christ gives us when we put our trust in him. Amen? So where are you this morning? You're in one of two places. I know some of you. I don't know all of you. I don't know where you are spiritually. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sin, if you've never put your trust in Jesus as the, the sacrifice, the innocent sacrifice for your sin, if you've never said, I believe that Jesus died in my place as my substitute and I humble my heart and my life and I surrender to Jesus, you are under a legal curse. A curse that when you die will end in separation from God and in eternity away from him. Away from life, away from goodness, away from everything that's good in life. Or, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, you can put your trust in what Jesus did. You can say, thank you, Lord, that, that I don't have to bear the punishment of sin. I don't have to bear the wrath of God for sin. You bore it for me, and I thank you for that. Would you forgive my sin? Which is true of you, under the curse or under grace? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And this morning, if you want to take that step of faith out from under the curse and penalty of the law and step into grace and step into a real relationship with Jesus, we say it's as easy as A, B, C. A, you, you have to start by admitting that you've sinned. I've, I've violated the law of God, and therefore I'm guilty, and I can't change it. And B, I believe that Jesus Christ was sinless. I believe he was the son of God. I believe that he died on a cross as a righteous person for me who is unrighteous. Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin. And see, to, to commit your life, to, to confess that Jesus is your Lord. If you wanna do that this morning, would you pray this in your heart with me? Just say, Jesus, I admit this morning that I have sinned. I've, I've, I've not fully obeyed your law the moral code that you've given us. And I'm sorry for that. And I ask you this morning to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you hung on the cross sinless, but you took my sin and you took the punishment of my sin on yourself. So would you forgive me and save me? Give me life. Jesus, I, I confess I want you to lead my life. I wanna, I wanna follow you in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning, friends, as we bring our time to a close? <clears throat> if you know Christ, let me ask you a couple things related to Jesus' words this morning. In any area of your life, have you relaxed the Scripture? Have you compromised the Scripture? Have you said, yeah, that's what the Bible says, but, but my situation that doesn't fit my narrative. I'm going to live how I want. Or have you said, there's, there's some things in the Bible I want to follow, but others I, I'm not going to follow. Jesus said you can't do that. So, so 
Come to a point this week where you are going to recognize the authority of Scripture in your life and you are going to submit yourself to that, not make Scripture submit itself to your life. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning we want to... We want to start by thanking you for the great grace that you've offered us in Christ. We want to thank you this morning for the forgiveness of sin. We want to thank you, Jesus, that you suffered the pain of the cross. You took the full penalty and wrath of God for humanity. You took it for us. And we're grateful this morning, God, that that we can skip out of the courtroom free because of what Jesus did. Thank you for that, Lord. Now help us this week, Lord, not to compromise your word, not to compromise the truth of Scripture, the authority of God. We pray this morning, Lord, that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of grace, we would live out that moral law. We would live out the code that God has set as a standard for our lives. We can only do it by grace and by your spirit, but help us to do that, Lord, in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. As you leave this morning, a couple of things. If you need prayer, we're gonna have a team of people praying up here. Come on down. Second thing is, we've got all kinds of tables set up with ministry opportunities. Head into Grand Central. Get a feel for that. Have a great week.